Okay, guys, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I think we're about five minutes after our uh, official starting time, so we get cranking. And <clears throat> I've got a friend that once told me that nobody will ever get upset with you if you let people out early. So, hey, maybe if we start early, we'll uh, we'll actually get out of here a few minutes early. So, uh, but uh, my name is Steve Kirsch. I'm the team leader for Next Level Leadership at the North American Mission Board, and I'm just uh, really. Uh, a little bit surprised that all of you are in here, but I'm actually ple- pleasantly surprised. So um, I've been, uh, tell you just a brief little bit about myself, but I want to introduce some of my staff. Now, some of my staff are, are not here right now, but uh, uh, hopefully they'll be here in just a moment. But I want to introduce the staff for Next Level Leadership to you and introduce them to you guys. And and so, uh, but let me go ahead, the ones that are here, let me do that very quickly, if you don't mind. And uh, so, Ken, Deborah, this is this is Deborah McCutcheon. Deborah, stand up, saying, "See ya." And uh, so, Deborah, everybody. Now, I'll talk about all the different things that everybody brings to the team. This is Ken Miller. Uh, Ken is one of our consultants uh, with uh, with Next Level Leadership, and Deborah is actually our administrative uh, assistant there. And Deborah is our minutia person. She takes care of all the details. And so, if you, those of you that know a little bit, Steve, Lynn, some of you guys that know me, you know that I'm horrible with details and. So Deborah's the one that keeps me out of jail. So uh, that's her primary role. But uh, so Deborah does takes care of a lot of just the, the minutia at Next Level Leadership. Ken, I just recently brought Ken on uh, to Next Level to our team, and Ken has been phenomenal. I'm going to tell you just briefly that uh, you guys came in here for a specific reason, having something to do with ministry coaching, I'm assuming. So uh We'll talk more about that, uh, but I feel like it's important for you guys to kind of get to know the staff and how we might can resource you and, and, and serve any of your needs. But uh, So Ken, I brought him over mainly because uh, Next Level Leadership has gone through some transition. And again, I'm, I'm not great with details. You'll hear that over and over and over. But um, <clears throat> I'm basically, I, I really hadn't figured out what my role is uh, in the seven years I've been there. So uh, I'm, I'm the people person, but... Uh, I brought Ken over because we're actually doing a lot with some online tr- uh, virtual training, web-based uh, training, and so Ken is, help, uh, is playing a lead role in helping us put some of that together through Right Now Training, and so I'll share with you a little bit more about that here in just a little while as well. So, But Ken is, is just helping in a lot of different ways. Pretty much on, on our team, everybody kind of shares roles. We just we kind of cross-train, and everybody just jumps in and do what needs to does what needs to be done. Um, I've got one more guy that I want to introduce to you here, Bob. Huh? You got to run. Ken is actually <clears throat> doing one of those roles now, so he's actually uh, having to help with some other areas. But uh, I want to introduce to you Bob Bumgarner. Bob is uh, Bob is on state staff at the Florida Baptist Convention, and uh, Bob is our contractor. Uh, I've contracted with Bob now for quite some time, and I always forget his title. But what, now, tell me again what your role is. Lead strategist for the church leadership development group uh, at the Florida Baptist Convention. And so uh, a lot of the workshops and all that we do, a lot of the training that we do, Bob will actually be the, the person in the field that goes out. And, uh, and I, I will say this, <clears throat> pardon me, with, uh, with our team, you're going to meet Cheryl Hayes. Um, she had to step out for just a minute, but Cheryl will come in here. If you've seen the lady on the, uh, what do you call those things, Little Rascals? Yeah, she's the one riding around on the scooter. But uh, but Cheryl, she is our very high D dominant driven person on the team. She's the one that knocks down all the walls to get things uh, done. And so you guys need to meet Cheryl. Uh, just uh, she's she and I've been teammates for 
uh, the seven years that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've been at NAM. So, and a lot of you guys already know Cheryl. And, but, uh, <clears throat> but Bob, we have, um, I've brought, uh, I actually went after Bob here a few years ago, and I just said, man, if there's one person that could really bring credibility to what we do at Next Level, uh, that's Bob. And I, I will say this, when we, I take it very serious, if we're going to send someone out from Next Level to be a part of what you guys are doing and try to help serve some of your needs, I take it serious who we're going to send out. And Bob, uh, I always tell people, and this is probably not great career moves on my part, but I always tell my folks at NAM, <clears throat> excuse me, the people that I work with, I say, if, you, uh, if you're ever thinking about firing me, I've got the person that can re- replace me and do it better than I do. So uh, Bob is that person. And, but I say this with all um, just being completely honest with you. I, I love the man's heart, and uh, he, is, he has worked hard at his craft to, to just be able to learn some skills and some disciplines uh, in the area of leadership development that just help all of us. And so <clears throat> I told him one day here a few weeks back, I said, man, I'd love to be able to facilitate like you do. And before I finished that, I said, I'm really kind of lying to you because I- I'm not willing to work as hard as you do at your craft to be that good. So I think a lot of times we say things like, I'd love to play the guitar like that, or I'd love to sing like that, or I'd love to whatever. And in reality, most of us are just not willing to work that hard at our craft uh, to, to develop it to that degree. But but Bob does, and and I know a lot of you in here, those that I know, I, you're the same way. And and so um, I want to start off, as before we get into this, I want to kind of share just a little bit. There's, there's a verse of Scripture, and since uh, Louis made it okay for me to quote from the message last night, uh, I'll, I'll uh, give you Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this scripture, but there's a scripture that we use in Next Level Leadership a lot that I think says a lot about at least where our heart is and where we feel like we would like to have uh, at least some influence. And the verse is, is Proverbs 21.1, and it says this. It says, good leadership is a channel of water controlled by God. He directs it to whatever ends he chooses. I'm going to say that again. Good leadership is a channel of water controlled by God. He directs it to whatever ends he chooses. We know that, I was going to say, if, if that is true, well, we know it's true. We know it's, it's the truth. I mean, you look at other translations, it talks about the heart of the king being in the hands of, of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he desires. Uh, whatever translation you use, it just gives this image <clears throat> of good leadership being this person that God can just take that person and that person is so completely malleable and pliable that God can just move them wherever he chooses. Uh, do we kind of agree with that? You know, when I look at the different elements of that verse, the thing that jumps out to me is wherever he chooses. And so if we do believe that, if we agree with that, what greater role do you guys have and what greater role do I have than to be able to walk that journey with someone else? And shouldn't every bit of my influence and time, shouldn't it be spent trying to help that person determine what that end is? And for most of you, that is your life. In your ministry, you're trying to do that. You're trying to do it, some of you from a pulpit, uh, some of you from other different ministry contexts, uh, you know, some of you from an organizational standpoint, but that's what you're doing. You're trying to spend your life helping other people figure out what that end is. 
Good leadership is a channel of water controlled by God. He directs it to whatever ends he chooses. One of the things that we found in doing, you know, I, I came into uh, Next Level Leadership about seven years ago, and I was a, I was a business owner. Uh, didn't I'm not a seminary grad. Uh, I actually went to the University of Georgia and my degrees in adult ed- education, but I actually was a business owner, and we built roads and bridges, which should make you guys, we built a lot of these on 400 here, so that should make you feel really safe as you're driving over them. But, um, but you know, one thing that I've, I've kind of noticed when I came into this role uh, in leadership development is that as much as our motivation is very pure and as much as we want to see transformation happen in people's lives and we want to know that the principles and the ideas that we believe are very biblical and that we are very passionate about, we want to see them change people's lives. A lot of times you just don't see a lot of change and you spend an enormous amount of your time and your effort and your energy and, and you cry over uh, people and you, and you just celebrate over people. But then at the end of the day, you go, wow, what really changed? And we were having that same experience with a lot of what we were doing, uh, Bob and myself and others like us were working really hard at trying to develop skills around uh, how to develop teams, uh, how to, uh, you know, plant uh, a healthy church, how to give me some other things that we would would try to develop skills around teaching and, and watch, wanting transformation to happen. Yeah. I mean, it, literally, it goes on. I mean, we there, there's four areas that we say that we think we can impact change with Next Level. And there's probably a whole lot more. But the four areas that we feel like we have a little bit of influence in, we could we just say it's it's pretty – I have to keep it simple for me. But we just say personal, interpersonal, team, and organization. So helping people to develop personally, uh, you know, learning about themselves, character, character flaws, uh, personality type, different things like that. And we do a lot of that through assessments, uh, interpersonal skills, and how valuable it is for each of us to learn just how to interpersonally interact with each other. And where my behavioral style or my personality doesn't, uh, doesn't actually stifle or get in the way of my influence in someone else's life. And we've all seen how sometimes people's personalities and behaviors can be uh, can can really get in the way of the influence that they have, and then helping to develop healthy teams. And um, Sandra, can I get you to help with the door back here? Um, thank you. But uh, to how to put together healthy teams, and and then organizationally, how do you put together systems and processes that align themselves with a with a corporate vision and corporate goal? so that everybody's working together. So those are the four areas that we try to impact on some level uh, through Next Level Leadership and our partner partnership with different states. And so I say all that to bring you around to this. When we realized that trying to develop skills and some competencies in these areas, a lot of times we just didn't see a lot of change happening. And so through a lot of prayer and a lot of searching, um, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of cynicism, we kind of landed on this thing, this idea of coaching. Now, coaching kind of became a hot-button topic here a few years back. And every one of us, when I just throw the word coaching out there, if I put it in, you know, if I, I just say executive coaching, ministry coaching, whatever level of coaching, 
every one of you, something goes through your mind. It creates some sort of um, an idea or some paradigm that you guys have about coaching. And, you know, for me, it goes back to all the way back to elementary school, middle school, high school, and all of my football coaches and how intense they were and, uh, and how demanding and that they were. And sometimes they would always try to tell me they were, con- uh, you know, they were committed to me being very successful at what I do, but sometimes it didn't really feel that way. But, um, but you know, we, so we all have different ideas of coaching. So we started exploring, and we landed on this coaching, uh, for lack of a better term, a model uh, through a guy named Bob Logan uh, and CoachNet. And a lot of you in here are familiar with, with Logan's model of coaching. And it's, uh, so we started exploring, and I'll be honest with you, I said with some cynicism, one of the things that I've kind of sensed at times is everybody's peddling something. Everybody's peddling new ideas or peddling a product or something. So I, sometimes I have a little bit of cynicism for people's purpose of coming to us. But as I just started reading a little bit about coaching, man, it connected on such a deep level. And I'm going to quote my friend Bob uh, Bumgarner here in the front. And there, this, this is something that Bob says in Florida about coaching that I've kind of adopted to what we do uh, at Next Level. He says, coaching is not all we do, but it's at the heart of everything we do. Coaching's not all we do, but it's at the heart of everything we do. And so, and I, I kind of, you know, as I, as I kind of think through the whole idea of coaching I, I just I thought about this, and I said coaching uh, should be a part of every conversation that we have, but every coaching, but every conversation we have is not a coaching conversation. So coaching should be a part of every conversation that we have, but every conversation we have is not a coaching conversation. Well, I want to explain to you a little bit about what I mean, but here's the way I want to do that, and we're going to, have to kind of stay on schedule here. So what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the person beside you, and if we just happen up on an odd number, then some person can jump in with three. But I want you to turn to the person beside you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask them three questions. And I don't want you to make one statement. I want you to ask them three questions. And here the questions need to be open-ended questions. So that's your really your only guidelines. Three questions. Don't make a statement. And uh, so follow each question up with another question. And don't make any statements about yourself or anything else. Just follow it up with a question. And it needs to be three questions, and then you're finished. So as soon as you do that, now I may I want to kind of keep us on task here because, uh, to be honest with you, we could be doing this through the evening service if I'm not careful. So uh, you've got just a couple of minutes to do that. So turn to the person beside you. You just think of what the three open-ended questions are. So do you know the difference between an open-ended and a closed question? A closed question, you're going to get a response of what? Yes or no. Uh, and so an open-ended question, you shouldn't get a response of yes or no or maybe or I don't know. So uh, turn to that person and ask three questions. And once you finish that one, switch off. Okay. Now... Somebody tell me, was, was there anything, um, kind of talk to me just briefly about, about what we had you do right there, just asking questions. Was there anything that was particularly difficult about it or enjoyable about it? Somebody give me a little bit of feedback. Yeah, anybody?
Okay. Okay, absolutely. Oh, and I saw another hand. Isn't that interesting? Uh, how many of you can relate to that that you found a lot in common with the people you were talking with? So, what else? Great feedback. Did you hear what she said? Ask questions for a living, but she finds it difficult not to interject her own comments. How many of you find yourself in conversations projecting your story into their story? I mean, we all do it. I mean, we, all of, if, if there's a preacher in here that didn't raise your hand, we need to talk. Because that's what you do. You stand up and, and, you know, I'll never forget the first time I went to a, a preacher uh, of a church I was attending. And I didn't, I didn't grow up in really a Christian home, but I started attending this church, and I started feeling God kind of doing some things in my life, and di- none of it made sense. But I went to the preacher. Uh, he had pastored for about 30 years. I think he was, I, I don't know, I feel like he was probably in his 70s at the time, just a delightful man. I, I still just, the guy's passed away, but just a great guy. Had a huge influence on my life. But when I sat down with him, and I said, you know, I don't quite know what God's doing. Shared with him a few things. What do you think he told me? What do you think as I started talking about God dealing with him? What do you think, what do you think his reaction to me was? This is how God has, done, has, has worked in my life. And so how had God worked in his life was God called him to preach. So he said what I needed to do next was I need to be in a pulpit that next Sunday night. Trust me, that wasn't a good idea. And I don't know how much he heard from God, but I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't know, but this was a bad plan. I spent about the next 10 years going, yeah, that, that really was not the direction I was going in. So it was pretty discouraging for me. You'd be surprised how many times, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised, how many times I hear a story similar to mine. I just took 12 interns all over the country, uh, Next Level Leadership. Ke- Kevin Ezell gave us the, just this huge privilege of taking 12 interns uh, student interns, and introducing them to just the leadership philosophies that we feel strongly about, uh, the coaching, uh, just a lot of things, the servant leadership, uh, just helping them to develop as missionaries to just kind of learn the rhythms of different cultures. And, and we flew them all over. And instead of teaching them just out of a classroom, we flew them to cities all over the U.S., uh, New Orleans, Nashville, New York City, Seattle, Portland, uh, Cleveland, and just had this great experience, and we would listen to a lot of the church planters in these areas. And it was amazing to me how many times I heard my story through these church planters. You know, God's dealing with me. Well, let me tell you how God worked in my life. And, and I'm going to tell you, most people, I can promise you, and I don't want to say the pastor's name because you guys, some of you from Georgia might know the guy, but uh, I think he meant completely well. His conversation with me, he really, uh, I think he was completely well-meaning in the conversation. But that's the only way he knew to approach those conversations. And we, I think we all need to learn better ways of having conversations. And so when I, I make a statement that coaching should be a part of every conversation we have, but every conversation is not a coaching conversation, let me tell you briefly what I mean by that statement. Uh, I think coaching the disciplines of coaching, uh, the competencies, the skills of coaching that we have learned are skills around learning how to ask the right questions and learning how to listen. And here's the problem. Most of us, when we listen, we listen for what our next comment's going to be. So as I ask you a question, it's usually a setup question. 
because I want to tell you about me. I don't really want to hear about you. I want you to hear about me. So I've got to set you up with a question, and as you respond, I'm listening for how I can impress you. And here's the way I typically do it. I, I ask you about, I'm going to, we, we always call this thing in, in coaching, we talk about, if you've ever watched the Brian Regan video, the Me Monster, how many of you in here have ever seen the Me Monster? A few of you. If you've ever watched it, it's, it's just a great video. Go to YouTube and search the video out. And I'm going to tell you, it, it, it should change your conversations. And it's a big driver. Before I even knew of the video, that was a big driver behind what we were doing and hoping to accomplish. Because here's what would happen. I would ask you, tell me about your, your, some of your missionary experiences. Man, I went to greater, you know, I went to the urban area of Atlanta, and I'm kind of feeding, working with some homeless people and, and uh, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And as soon as they took a breath, I would say, I went to Thailand. And so I literally just mowed down their missionary experience. I wasn't trying to celebrate with them. I didn't really care what God was doing in their life. And, you know, so so often that's what a lot of us, our conversations, maybe that's a little extreme, but we do that. We mow other people's stories down just to make ours because we want ours to be the most impressive story. Well, if Proverbs 21.1 really is a, a verse that we want to pattern our lives by, that we want to be that good leader. Uh, we want to be a leader that's just like a channel of water that God just uses to whatever ends that he chooses. And we want to be that in other people's lives. And I want to be a catalyst for watching other people around me go further than I may ever go in this life. If that really is a passion of mine, and I want to see the people around me completely align themselves with the Holy Spirit, then what I've got to do is help them to hear the voice of God in their life and not to hear the voice of Steve in their life. Because as much as I may be impressed with what I say at times, it may not be what they need to hear. There's a question, Lynn will remember this, uh, and some of these guys, Steve, I always ask a question, I don't have time to do it, because uh, I want to tell you the different coaching delivery systems, how you can develop your own coaching network, or learn maybe some of the skills, if it in- interests you um, uh, through uh, Next Level. But there's a question that I always ask, every time I lead the training, how would you coach an Elijah? So an Elijah comes to you, and he says, you know what? God's told me to go get in the face of Ahab. Uh, You're my coach. Tell me what I ought to do. Okay, now I've got in the face of Ahab. God tells me to go out and just totally get by myself. He's going to feed me with a bird and a brook. Uh, Man, do you really think that's the voice of God? Okay, now the brook's drying up. The bird's gone. God leads me out in the desert, tells me to go uh, to this uh, widow woman's house. She's there with her son. Uh, They're both dying. Uh, she's about to take the last meal, the last bit of oil and flour that she has, and then she says she and her son are going to lay down and die. And I believe God told me to take that last meal from her before she eats of it, that she ought to give that to me. How do you coach someone like that? And you start projecting your story into an Elijah. And that's a very, um, I I don't know, I, I don't know, that may sound simple to you guys, but it doesn't sound simple to me. And But all too often... We think we know what's best. Well, there's only one person that knows what's best in my life and knows what's best in your life, and that's the person of the Holy Spirit. And it is critical that you help the people that you're working with and walking the journey with to hear from God more than they hear from you. And so if you're always doing the talking and you're always just looking for an opportunity to tell your story, it's just going to be that much more difficult for them to hear from God. And so that's what has shaped a lot of the direction that we've taken with Next Leveling and just saying, hey, we, we still offer training 
and team development, uh, how to resolve conflict. Uh, I can go on communication training, how to have an effective meeting. All of those things are important, uh, and, and they're important ideas to, to, to spend your time developing skills in those areas. But here's what happens. A lot of us come into a, a, a conference like this, and we'll walk out. You guys have done it. I've done it. I'm pumped up. I'm fired up, and I'm, I'm excited. I've learned all these new ideas. I've listened from some great lead, listened to stories from some great leaders, and I go back to my ministry context, and I'm thinking, man, I heard probably five things that could change my ministry for the better today. And then I start trying to think, okay, how do I implement the first one? You know, which one should take priority over the other one? And so I'm starting trying to process all this. I don't have anyone to process that's willing just to sit and listen to me process out loud so that I can hear from God what the next move ought to be. That's what a good coach does, is a good coach says, I'll commit a certain amount of time to you, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to walk the journey with you, and it's not going to be about me. If I'm coaching Bob, my conversation with Bob is all about Bob and what God's doing in Bob's life. And, and, every, and the reason I say every coaching conversation, I mean, every co- conversation should involve coaching, but not every conversation is a coaching conversation. A pure coaching conversation is always about leading you to the next move. There, there should be an action at the end of it. So that gets kind of weird if I'm just in a conversation with you, but I should practice listening and asking in any conversation. But a pure coaching conversation will involve uh, uh, certain things, celebration, what's celebrating, what's working well, what's not working well, uh, what needs to change, and how are you going to go about changing it, and what's your next move. And then the next coaching, because you're always moving them forward. You're just a catalyst to keep them moving forward. Even if it's tiny little baby steps, always keeping them moving forward. So um, what I would like to do for time's sake, and then we'll open it up for questions. Uh, I've asked Bob if he would just to come share with you the different deliveries. We have, uh, through CoachNet, we have a, uh, a coaching certification process. It's very intense, and we have, we've had to kind of develop ourselves through this, through a lot of pain, trial, and error. But... The coaching certification is a very involved process that lasts about 10 months, 11 months, and involves a lot of different, um, a lot of moving pieces all throughout that. So uh, we've tried to simplify the process a little bit, and so I'm going to let Bob share with you what those look like. And um, so anyway, Bob. Um, grab your sheet of paper, if you will, just a couple of points here. If you look in the second paragraph, see the the print, the um, Quotations there. Coaching is the process of coming alongside people or teams and helping them discover God's agenda for their life and ministry and cooperating with the Holy Spirit to see that agenda become a reality. That's Bob Logan's basic definition of coaching. And all three of these particular models or these applications or options, if you will, of coaching are built off of that model. So, so let me just start by saying to you, there are other coaching models out there in ministry world. There's probably about a half a dozen coaching models that have some level of pretty significant legitimacy. So let me tell you why we went with Logan. Number one, Logan's coaching model was built for church planters. It was designed with church planters and church multiplication in mind. It is, built, um, it is built with economy of scale and economics involved. It's a, it's a cheaper coaching model than many of the other coaching models that are, that are out there. And when you add Next Level's partnership with you, it gets radically uh, affordable. 
Um, and then the, the other piece of it is it's research-based. It's not just some guy, Bob did, Logan did, didn't just grab some other coaching books, come together, change the metaphors, and put it all together. So it's research-based out of the University of Indiana. It has some assessment tools that go along with it really well. So, so that's kind of why we chose uh, the, the Logan model. Let me just run through the three options that we have. The first one is called Coaching on the Run. And coaching on the run is is a really a a uh, it's a three hour workshop. Maybe it can be longer than that if you have more time. That's designed really to acquaint you with two skills: open ended questions, or what we call powerful questions, and active listening. So you'll spend about three hours going through some activities like you just did, and we give you about 20 questions that can change almost any relationship that you're in. The, the coaching on the run, it doesn't require any certification. As a matter of fact, you can go to the – can you still go to the next level? You can go to the Next Level Leadership website that's uh, connected to the North American Mission Board, and you can download Coaching on the Run. This is a really good application if you want to sort of test drive coaching. If you want to see if it's something that you think you might be interested in for your church campus or your Sunday school class or a ministry that you're involved in. So that's coaching That's coaching on the run. Then um, the next thing we do is what's called coaching qualification. But I'm going to stop. I, 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 um, I, I want to talk about that last because I want to show you why we came to coaching qualification. So there's coaching on the run, the basic three-hour presentation. Then there's coaching certification. And coaching certification is sort of the Cadillac of the Logan model. It takes nine months, and if you go to Bob Logan's uh, place in California, it's somewhere between twelve and $1,700 plus your travel. Well, in, in the way that we do it, it is just your travel, and we cover the certifications and, and those kind of things. But the thing about, the thing about it is a nine-month journey where there's three months of pre-coaching, and then you're coaching someone for six months. You have to do a portfolio. The idea is to get you up to what's called the International Coaching Federation Standard. Okay, it, it's a nationally, this certification is a nationally recognized certification. Here's what we found. We found that we had a huge gap. We had this coaching on the run, which was enough for a layman uh, to, and to kind of get your feet wet, but it wasn't enough for a pastor and his staff. Then we had coaching certification, which is a lot more than what some people were asking for. So co there was this gap. So we created coaching qualification. And in working with the Bob Logan organization, we took their nine-month process, we took out the coaching portfolio, and we made it into a four-month or 16-week process. And um, we've run uh, one cycle nationally. I've run one cycle through a very large multi-campus church in Florida and a, a, an association in Florida. And the reviews are humbling. The amount of change that's happening in people's lives, uh, the coaching qualification piece seems to really make sense. And so uh, let me just run through. I'll just read these bullets to you. It says the coaching qualification training um, is a – just look at the bullets. It's, it's a complete two-day training provided by NAM. The training is free, but you're responsible for getting, uh, getting there, so all your expen uh, expenses, including airfare, lunch, and dinner is provided. You'll, per you'll participate in two coaching sessions at the training, and after the coaching session, the, the two-day training, there will be four other coaching sessions that, you will, that you'll do together. You'll use the CoachNet uh, website, and we actually pay for a membership for you for a year uh, for that. You'll use, you'll experience the disc, um, a disc assessment in the mid, in the beginning of your of your coaching to help you get an idea of how you can 
how um, your personality might get in the way of your coaching. And, um, and then um, at the end, you'll participate in a campfire. Campfire is just a fancy way for us to say it's a feedback loop. You're done. You tell us what you liked about it, what you thought was helpful. And there will be an assessment at the end that, that will give you some – basically help create a developmental plan for you to know what your next – what your next step would be. So the North American Mission Board, through the Next Level Leadership Network, has provided three ways. One coaching model, the Logan coaching model, scaled in three different ways depending on what you think you would like to see uh, coaching uh, do in your life. Okay? Um, let me see if there's any questions about that. That's, that's a great question. Uh, there is October 16th and 17th, I think it is, is, is um, it's, will be at the North American Mission Board. If you're in the Midwest, I'm going to be uh, doing something at, um, in Oklahoma the next Tuesday, the, the following uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. If you're in the southeast region and you want to team up with us in Florida, we have one in Orlando that's kicking off the 10th and 11th of September. And, uh, and, and one of the things that we want to do is we actually want to decentralize this. And so our goal is, in coaching qualification, is, is, is you would come and be coach qualified, but then let's say you're a DOM or a pastor and you want to go back and do it in your region. We would actually come and facilitate it with you the next time, and then you'd be on your own to do it in your, to, to do it in your region. So some of you in here are probably responsible for a women's ministry or a, D, uh, a network of churches or uh, maybe even some uh, pastor networks. Um, this is a tool that we're finding great traction for in those kinds of um, in those kind of uh, networks. Yes, sir. Right. Right. That's a great question. And and right now the answer is no. And and, and here's the whole thing. Um, Johnny Hunt stood up this morning and said, "We don't need a lot of new content. We need to be reminded of the content we already have." So the whole theory of making you do it again is to go deeper with what you already know. And, and, and all I can tell you from the campfires is what people say to us is, they say, did you say that the first time? And we show them in the notes, yeah, we did. And they go, we didn't hear that. And so, um, but thank you. That is a great, it's a great question. Yes, sir. How to access coaching on the run? Um, Maybe you can hear me okay, but Bob has actually, he developed just some, uh, kind of three by five, five by seven cards, and it just it put, puts them. You bind them in a little uh, little key ring, and it just makes it really easy. Because a lot of times, one of the things that Logan and his model that we talk about is, um, I'm trying to remember the, the 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 actually the way he says it. But the longer the question, the shorter the answer. The shorter the question, the longer the answer. So you're thinking a lot of times, I've got to come up with the most profound question. If, if my question is a really long question, I'm trying to tell you what I know. I'm not really concerned about what you know. So you ever watch somebody just try to tell you how brilliant they are in, in a question? And so what Bob has done is he's put together questions similar to this. Hey, it doesn't get any more complicated than this. Tell me what you can celebrate in your life. What's going on that you can celebrate well, I'm going to tell you something. Most of us in here never just even stop to think about, man, I've got a lot of stuff going on that I can celebrate right now. Uh, what's working in your ministry? What's working in your personal life? You know, what's not working? What's working in your relationships? What's not working? What needs to change? Those are very simple questions that if you're willing to listen, you will be amazed at the responses. So what he's done is he just created some cards that you can download, you can bind them, 
And then you're ne- you just kind of flip through them, and you can just, whatever context your conversation's in, these questions will fit. And then you'll learn, you'll get more and more comfortable. I, so what other questions do you guys have um, related to coaching? Maybe not. Let me just say this. If you're not sure if coaching is a biblical idea, um, one of the first questions that God asks is, Adam, where are you? In Luke chapter 2, in verse, uh, it, when Jesus is at the temple, in verse 46, it says, after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers. Now listen to this. This is not the message. Listening to them and asking them questions. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, who do, they, who do they say the Son of Man is? Then he says, who do you say the Son of Man is? Jesus, Depending on how you skin, skin it out, Jesus asked over 200 open-ended questions in the New Testament. And so it's a really powerful tool. Let me show you one other way that, that, to illustrate what Steve said in relationship to every, coaching, every conversation is not a coaching question, but you can coach in every conversation. Um, I was talking to Steve last December, and he could tell I was at a weird place in my life. And he says to me, Bob, i got to ask you this question. I'm feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask you this question. What is it that you're doing just for Bob? Now, I want you to know, it, was, it really caught me off guard. Because, he, what he would, see, he read through this, my conversation that I was really wigged out. Then he said this. He said to me, he said, Bob, if Satan wanted to take you out, what sin would he use to do it right now? I didn't answer him, but I knew the answer. I mean, I didn't tell him, but it helped me. And so that's what he means. When I I don't know any other thing that I've ever learned that allows me to partner with the Holy Spirit in the transformation of people more than coaching. You know, I I used to be kind of weirded out by saying we're trying to create like a coaching culture or anything like that. I'm thinking, you know, we want to create a Jesus culture. We want... Jesus to always be in the forefront of everything. But I, I would say, honestly, that I, I would like to just see the culture change. And I think the way it's going to happen, the reason we've kind of changed and we realized, uh, you know, again, Lynn's going to think I'm picking on him back there. But he, he said, you know, it's, it's way more valuable to me to learn the skills than it is to have some sort of certification hanging on my wall. And I think a lot of you share that same um, desire. And so what... What I think is just a better way of approaching conversations is for you guys, pastors. I mean, I would love to see our church planning pastors where you come through. And, and what we typically do, in, uh, we put people in what we call triads, where you're, it's three people coaching. So you've got two focusing on one. It makes a much more powerful coaching conversation. So just to give you an example, I would love to see our church planters uh, be in a triad with other church planters that have coaching skills and you set aside a time where you are just focusing on that person in that conversation uh in women's ministry where you know you've got these ladies that are they're getting together they've learned some skills and they've understood the value of what it means to just focus on that one person and so i I would really like to see the culture change because we're a culture of telling uh, and we we're very good at telling but we're not really that good at asking we agree with that yeah and so, so the vision for next level, honestly, is we're kind of like a, for lack of a better term, we're kind of a bullhorn or a megaphone of just what you guys are doing, what God's called you to do in your ministry. 
We just want to be uh, a resource or a service to help you to do it better. And so if we can do that, that's our role. So I don't want to tell you what to do in your ministry. And But if we can be of some value in that regard, Kevin Ezell has a, a very passionate heart for developing leaders. And we know how critical it is uh, in, our, in our churches, in our church context, for our church planners to be healthy church, healthy church leaders uh, that understand the value of really developing leaders alongside of you. Because so many of you are wear these weird codependent hats where you're literally doing everything. And some of you have decided that is your role because you think you can do it better than everyone else, and then you wonder why your ministry doesn't grow. But I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be amazing when you learn the biblical principle of giving your life away and watching what God does as you start to give your life away and not and not being concerned with the consequences. So I know that's a kind of a philosophical response, but I, I don't. I, we don't have a, uh, a national vision other than our national vision being to serve you guys and to help you do what you do better. So. Two, two ways it's playing out in Florida. Um, one, uh, uh, Christ Fellowship in Miami, they run 8,000 people on six campuses. They're opening about one campus every six months now. They needed a leadership pipeline. They needed to be able to develop leaders that were healthy leaders quickly. So they, they put this in there. Uh, if I told you how complimentary they were, it would sound disingenuous. Uh, they just suffice it to say it was a very helpful tool for them. And then there's an association in Northeast Florida who they, they do engage, expand, and equip. That's their three focuses. And they're creating a coaching network for each one of their uh, prongs of their strategy, if you will. So the people that are passionate about equipping, they're going to have a core skill set of coaching. Those who are passionate about expansion, they're going to have a core. So that's two. That's at least two other ways. That's a great point. I always ask the question, is it, tougher to coach or tougher to be coached and i'll be honest with you sometimes it's tougher to be coached i'm I, even though i'm good at telling i can still ask questions either easier than i can allow the holy spirit to help me to discover things about my life that i may not want to probe too deeply in so i would encourage every one of you it's critical you church leaders develop some coaches because but have a coach help someone to develop skills to help you and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I've got my business cards up here. It's got my cell phone number, every way you can contact me. And uh, sometimes I've been traveling. I've been traveling at a breakneck pace this summer. But I should be in the office a little bit over the next month or so. And, but uh, it'll roll over to Deborah, to Cheryl. So you'll get one of us in next level. And just, you know, just let us know how we can help you. You can find the date, register. We'll let you know. We're going to have, uh, as Bob mentioned to you, our hope is is that we decentralize it to where you guys are developing your networks. So you come in, develop the skills, and then you just we just say more power to you. We just want to empower you to, to go out and do that. Is that yes, ma'am? You know, and I, I'm, I'm gonna say this. I, I mentioned then we'll, we'll be done with this. I had in the interns that I had this summer. I had 12 of the finest young people that I've ever. If you ever feel a little bit hopeless about the next generation. Well, you find my interns around here, and you're going to get pretty excited. Uh, but we, we taught them. Uh, we've, we've spent time with them helping them to develop skills around coaching, doing a lot of um, assessment around behavioral styles, conflict styles. Had one of the young ladies come up to me, and she said this. She said, she said, I never really thought my dad was very interested in me. She said, we would come in. I would say hello. He would say hello. I'd walk upstairs. 
go to my room. That was all that was said till the next day. She said this continued from through high school all the way into college. Brilliant student, medical student. And, uh, and she said to me, she said, I started listening. And she said, I, I, to all the things that we're talking about, and she said, I decided to practice coaching with my dad. I walked in. The, this was the night before. She said, I walked in, and I just started asking him questions about himself. She said, my dad and I talked for three and a half hours last night. She said, it's the longest conversation we've had that I can ever remember. I cried like a baby. You guys just need to know I'm sitting there just squalling. That's my southern terms. But, uh, but I, I'm, I'm just squalling. I'm thinking, you know, that's what it's all about. When you really show interest and stop waiting on everyone to show interest in you, show interest in their life. You know, there's the old dichotomy, the old saying that says there's two types of people in the world. It's a person that walks in the room and says, here I am. There's a person that walks in the room and says, there you are. A great coach walks in the room and says, there you are. I'm interested. I want to ask about you, and I really want to see you align yourself with what God's called you to do.